everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Son of Neptune, the second book in the Heroes of Olympus series by Rick Riordan. Uh, th- uh, how are you doing For today, For those Jane? of you just tuning in. That's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm, I'm doing all right. I... You know, sometimes, sometimes I have my doubts about these books, uh, and sometimes they're good. And we'll see which one today was. <laughs> How are you, Jacqueline? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I enjoying my day off from work. I went and saw yeah. a, a My Chemical Romance on Sunday, so that was that was fucking awesome. Uh, Hell but yeah! I think before we start this episode. Mm-hmm. There, there's a very special teaser that came out that we need to talk about. Oh fuck! Of course, I'm talking about the teaser that just came out the other day. Um, for a Disney for, Plus show. Uh, for uh, the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Damn it! I was gonna try and segue into the um, the trailer they released for those new Clone Wars shorts. Oh fuck! Is that true? That's true. They're making those. Are, do they look good? They look pretty good. They seem to be, like, filling in uh, some background about, like, Ahsoka's early training and, like, what Cypher Diaz was doing before he ordered the clone army. That also looks interesting. Anyway, your thing's more interesting. Okay. Uh, t- Legend of Zelda, Breath of the... Tear- fucking... I almost said Breath of the Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom is the new game. Uh, what, what do you think of this, Jane? What, what, did, you see the, did you see the teaser trailer? Uh, I, I did see the teaser trailer because I tuned into the American stream of the Nintendo Direct. Uh-huh. The, uh, the British one was cancelled for some reason. They just hmm. posted a board. I wonder if there were any titles in there that they were expecting people to, uh, uh make jokes about. Uh, well, they... there's Pikmin 4, of course. Uh, you're, you're picking a man for the king over, over a woman? I mean, I would have said it's more to do with the fact that the queen is pushing up daisies at this point, but... No, that's funny. Thank you. Yeah, this is a pretty good direct. I I I yeah. fucking love the the theater rhythm games. Uh, uh, this is this is this is what I call a, a special bonus episode being snuck into a main episode. <laughs> yeah, Breath Breath of the Wild sequel. It's coming out. Looks good. It lo- okay. So I've been disappointed before. I don't want to like overhype myself, but it kind of looks like um the game is going to be. In, on a bunch of sky islands above the entirety of the Breath of the Wild 1 map. Yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. That would rule, but also I'm, I'm like, I don't want to get my hopes up for this. I... I, st- I still remember when Destiny was coming out and I was like, oh, they'll probably have like a little campaign on each, like, each planet in the solar system and each moon of every planet in the solar system. And they didn't. And that game was fucking shit. Sad. <laughs> I think it will. I don't know. They've been working on this for a few years now. I and it it look it looked like what you said. Um, but do you want to know my hot take on this? What's your hot take? My hot take on this is, uh, listeners, what has just been cut from this episode is a segment of us talking in depth about Breath of the of the Breath of the Wild sequel. If you pay uh, three dollars a month, you can hear us talking about this on the Patreon. Jacqueline, by the time we get to recording the bonus episode, we'll both have forgotten that the direct happened. 
you're right never mind uh i i agree i hope it does i want link to have also customizable hairstyles or like at least the ability to like choose whether or not the ponytail is on you want to make link look as feminine as possible i mean this is always the case this is no this is yes exactly the default outfit is always the gerudo outfit or like yeah i i always We've been talking about this for a few minutes now. I'm sorry to all our people who don't give a shit, but we give a shit. <laughs> I, I I like I like Link to be a little trans. This is my this is my case. No, you're right. You're simply correct. And speaking of being correct, I guess uh, there's also a teaser trailer for the, the the Percy Jackson show. I honestly forgot that that was like the joke that you were doing. That was the bit. This has gone on for so long. It's whoops. I mean, what to say about this? I keep saying it. It's the same fucking forest where they filmed the movies. I swear to God. It absolutely is. And I am disappointed <laughs> for that. I, yeah. This is not a New York forest. Um, also, Camp Half-Blood shouldn't be in a forest. Camp Half-Blood should be, like, big, wide, open fields. Big, expansive strawberry fields and shit. Like, Greek architecture, whatever. But I guess, like... Like, how do you do that without it being, like, shitty CGI? Without, like, building Camp Half-Blood. I don't know. Build some of it, at least, right? Uh, yeah. They but built like, the also... whack-ass-looking Poseidon cabin. I wouldn't hate, like, CGI strawberries. <laughs> I think that'd be fine. I don't want to make them do, like, a Field of Dreams where they have to, like, actually raise the crop. True. I think the problem is that I'm kind of... I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place on this. Because I've also been watching uh, Sandman recently, which yeah. is uh, it's an adaptation of the uh, Neil Gaiman comic about like the King of Dreams, and they've they've done something that a lot of Neil Gaiman adaptations do, where they just like use CGI to one hundred percent recreate the imagery from the book, mm-hmm. and it always looks kind of shit and boring. Oh yeah, just, of course. It's just lifting stuff straight off the page without modifying it for a different medium. So yeah, I, on the one hand, if the show had done that, that would have been bad. But also, do, just putting it in the fucking woods is also bad. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is we got a very limited view of things from this teaser. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very possible that it is just like it's gonna look awesome, uh, and I think that'd be cool if it does. Is all I'll say. And Walker Scoble seems to be doing a good job uh, from the like line I've heard. Uh, I, I think the one thing this teaser reminded me of is that like my Percy, you know, I, I like have a Percy voice in my brain when I'm reading this. Uh-huh. I, I think I just like never switched back to reading him as a 12 year old. Like the entire time I was reading the series, I've been reading him as like, I don't know, a 16 to 17 year old. You, you have that Logan Lerman voice in your head. I honestly probably have, <laughs> but like... It's it's kind of refreshing, just like oh yeah, this is a tween. This is a tween saying tween lines. Uh-huh. Anyway, but yeah, it looked pretty good. I don't know, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm also excited. It's, it can't be that bad, surely. Hopefully. I hope it's at least a train wreck if it's bad. I agree. Uh, speaking of things that are of a quality, uh, would you like to oh, give us the summaries? That's, that's an interesting and fascinating. Okay, yeah, summaries. Chapter 25, Percy. We return to the boat, where Percy is in his feelings about how useless he's been for the past few chapters. He's being overwhelmed by weird half-memories of cyclopes and centaurs, 
and Polypetes has some sort of anti-Poseidon aura that debuffs Percy to the same degree that being in the water buffs him. We learn that while at uh, Roffle, oh yeah, we forgot to mention it last week, but Iris's store is the Rainbow Organic Foods and Lifestyles Corp, so the employees are called fucking Ruffle Copters, uh, Percy tries to Iris message Annabeth, but because his memory of her is so shitty, it didn't work. This is apparently a problem that's getting steadily worse the further Percy gets from Camp Jupiter. And uh, with all these miserable things in mind, Percy passes out, exhausted. Because Percy can never catch a break, his dreams are extremely ominous. He sees a flashback of the final battle of Titan's Curse without understanding any of what's going on, and then a glimpse of Jason, Piper, and Leo working on the boat that we saw at the end of Lost Hero. They seem to know that some sort of attack is coming for Camp Jupiter and are gearing up to help. He then sees Tyson and Mrs. O'Leary in San Francisco, despairing because they realize that Percy is moving away from them. Finally, Gaia cackles at Percy about how he is nothing but an insect compared to her magnificence and an unwilling pawn in her machinations and also shows him uh, Alcyonius' war camp in Alaska, which is much larger than Camp Jupiter. Percy wakes up when the boat has reached Portland, where Phineas the Blind Prophet is supposed to be. Chapter 26. Percy. The trio find Phineas in the middle of a bunch of fast food trucks, attacking some harpies with a weed whacker. The harpies look starved and are trying to take some food from the giant pile that Phineas has stacked up on a picnic table, and Percy notes that there's a red-feathered one who's smaller and faster than the rest. The harpies leave while Percy and co. move over to speak with Phineas. His prophecy powers mean he instantly clocks each of their godly parents, as well as Frank's extra convoluted ancestry, mentioning offhand that his great-grandfather didn't really destroy the camp. Of course, it's news to everyone, including Frank, that anyone thought that to begin with. He also lets slip that Hazel is meant to be dead, filling in Percy on that little nugget, and that Frank's life depends on a burnt stick. He also uh, alludes to the fact that Percy has some kind of horrible sacrifice lurking in his near future. He explains that while his curse used to be that the Harpies would take all his food and let him starve, a punishment from Jupiter for doling out too many secrets, Gaia reversed the power dynamic when she resurrected him. The Harpies can only eat from Phineas's table, and he now has a weed whacker which he needs to keep them at bay, while he gorges himself and enjoys their suffering. He offers to trade them the information on where Thanatos is being held in exchange for capturing the red-feathered harpy for him to torture. The gang all silently agree that they're not going to do that and head off to form plan B. As they leave, Phineas says that Hazel is responsible for Alcyonius' return, but this doesn't shake Percy or Frank's faith in her. The kids use some of Phineas's food to lure in the red harpy and talk to her. Her name is Ella and we see that she's bullied by the other harpies. And, the, and learn that the last time he was alive, Phineas got a lot of secrets from her as she seems to be a living encyclopedia, to the point where she knows to recite the Great Prophecy when she sees Percy. This is, presumably, what Phineas wants her back for, besides the torture. Ella invites them to her nest, which is in a library, and while in there, Percy absentmindedly remembers that Annabeth is a dweeb and would love this place, but becomes enraged when he can't remember anything more than that. Ella the Harpy tells the gang that Phineas is obsessed with gambling, as games of chance are too small-scale for his prophetic powers to work on. They devise a plan to use a wager to trick Phineas into handing over the information on where Thanatos is, using the Gorgon blood. Chapter 28. Percy. Percy returns to Phineas with a proposition. They'll engage in a game of chance, where Phineas will be given both files of Gorgon blood and have to choose one to drink. Percy will drink the other. Quick reminder, one vial kills you dead, and the other heals any and all wounds that you have. Gorgon blood can in fact kill you so hard that even with the doors of death thrown open, it'll keep you down for some time. Phineas will write down Thanatos' location before they drink. 
so that if he dies, Percy can get the information off his corpse, with the potential upshot for Phineas being that if he gets the healing Gorgon blood, his eyesight will be restored. He takes Percy up on the deal, and after everyone swears a bunch of binding oaths on the river sticks to make sure the game goes off as designed, Phineas is handed the vials to choose. However, at this point the earth rumbles, and as he expected, Phineas's patron, Gaia, healthily tells him which vial to pick by vibrating it. With no other choice, Percy must drink the other vial, at which point his 5D chess move comes into play. In his dreams, Gaia has been gloating about the fact that Percy is a vital if unwilling pawn for her. Percy is rolling the dice on being so integral to Gaia's future plans that she values him more highly than Phineas, and so when given the choice between killing one or the other, she'll choose Phineas. Percy's gamble pays off as Phineas dies, deliberately misled into killing himself by Gaia so she could keep Percy on the board. She sends him a telepathic message telling him that it was a clever move but that he shouldn't push it, and that his eventual demise will be much more brutal than just drinking Gorgon blood. The gang lift the location from Phineas, which tells them that Thanatos is being imprisoned in the Hubbard Glacier in Antarctica. So, what do you think of these chapters? Uh, these were very, these were very good. I, I, oh, I don't yeah. want to give them, I don't want to give the mistaken impression that I did not like these chapters because, because I did like these chapters. <laughs> yeah, no, these ones are really good. I'm noticing a pattern though, one that is kind of worrying. Do you, do you think maybe the Frank chapters are just the worst ones? I think that might be the case. I don't know why. I think Frank just has the least going on. Like we know and like Percy from the previous series. Hazel has a whole like resurrected from the dead, frozen in time, tragic backstory thing. And is also like Nico's sister. And Frank is just kind of a guy. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm thinking back to it. The like, the whole, one of our favorite parts of this book so far was like Frank's backstory and him like, uh, the, and the section where Mars comes. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's not Frank. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misassigning blame, but there's, there's something off that's reoccurring in these books that, or that's reoccurring in this book specifically that is not in these chapters because it's good. My theory is just that the Percy chapters are pretty much always good. I, yeah, that's, I think that's the truth. There, there is one question that this immediately raises for me. Uh-huh. Uh, which is, um, is Jason, like, way more powerful than Percy? Explain. Because, okay, Percy goes near Polybates, and he gets uh, basically decked by his, like, anti-Poseidon aura. Too powerful, it basically takes Percy straight out of commission. Because, you know, Polybates is, like, the anti-Poseidon. Uh, Jason went toe-to-toe with the anti-Zeus last book and kicked his fucking teeth in and experienced no ill effects of any sort. That's very possible. Like, (laughs) I mean, the most that we got is, like, him describing the gravity of the giant. Mm -hmm. But he didn't get just completely wiped like Percy is. Like, I imagine there's some combination of, like, his exposure to, like, seeing all these familiar like creatures being evil that's also compounding it but i i would say yes jason and this is me saying something that is definitely my opinion not just like some controversial stuff to try to spark controversy uh (laughs) jason is definitely a cooler and more powerful protagonist than (laughs) percy is i mean i guess technically like jason would have to be like quote unquote more powerful because he can fly and shoot lightning you know that's i mean percy is supreme lord of the bathroom (laughs) this is true i mean the fact of the matter is 
controlling water is cool, but if you shoot water at someone, it'll hurt them. But shooting lightning at someone will kill them. Although, you know what? Fair play to Percy. He does commit a first-degree murder in these chapters. You know, you're... You are right. (laughs) This is actually um, a return to form, in my opinion. Uh Uh-huh. This is... This is like, this is putting Percy in a classic position for him, sort of like making him the have a conflict which he hasn't really, hasn't really been able to go through this in this entire book yet, and it's kind of been a while. Specifically, Percy's greatest enemy is the bully, mm-hmm. and Phineas is like a great a fucking bully. Absolutely. Um, and like we just haven't like had a chance to get that dynamic in this book so far. So I and I think the fact that it's coming like in the middle of him being at sort of his lowest point also uh, is a really good move. Yeah, it's like these chapters kind of make you want to pick up Percy by the shoulders and shake him a little because he's starting out being like, "Oh, I'm I'm so useless. I wasn't able to like stand up and be big and strong and protect my friends." And be like a big, powerful hero. And like, no, Percy, that's not why we like you. We like you because you're very empathetic and also a clever little fucker. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's 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 really undergoing. Like everyone here, all these kids are undergoing so much self doubt. This is like the last few readings, but it's it's still very much the case. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk about a very. It's small. But, like, uh-huh. some of the jokes in this part don't super land for me. Oh, okay. For instance, the joke of, haha, Percy have purse. That that joke is a real, like, that, that's a mixed bag. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 Because on the one hand, yeah, I'm rolling my eyes at, like, oh, Percy's got a man bag. Ha 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 ha. Uh, but also him trying to put it as far away from himself as possible. But then remembering that he's in a fucking rowboat so he can put it, like, two feet away from him is very funny. <laughs> it is funny. It That one is kind of salvaged. Uh, the other one that I don't... is like, okay, that made me groan, was um, fucking Phineas saying, I see. Well, actually, I'm blind, so I don't see. He does that, like, well, four times. He, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is worse than, like, Terezi from Homestuck. I was... Uh, we got it. We have a blind prophet right here. I was counting the minutes until one of us mentioned Terezi. <laughs> and it's been, I mean, it's been like, what, 20 minutes? We did, uh, Pretty good. Anyway, I, is this worse than Terezi Homestuck? I don't know. It's the classic thing of like, oh shit, this character's blind. Gotta make them make a blind joke. Every five seconds. Every five seconds. Every fucking piece of media does this. It doesn't even necessarily seem to fit for Phineas's character. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who would do that kind of, like, self-deprecating humor. No. Like, Terezi kind of makes sense. Toph, it makes sense. With mm-hmm. Daredevil basically makes sense. He's got that Catholic uh, guilt. <laughs> the Catholic guilt for being blind? <laughs> the fact He's got the that Catholic Kenneth- guilt to be constantly self-deprecating. I guess that's true. Um... But Phineas is just, like, a guy who wants to, like, rule the fucking world. And so it just kind of feels like blind jokes for the sake of blind jokes. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I wonder if it was even like a deliberate character thing or just like Rick wrote, I see, without thinking, and then was like, ah ha ha, ah hoo hoo, I know what I can add to this. I probably, but like at the same time, like you said, variations on this happen like four times. This is true. He was just so amused with it. I mean, Uh, as as good of a villain as Phineas is, how many times have we gotten like the Rick Riordan character is like smelly old guy who looks like he's homeless or whatever? Yeah, this does happen a lot. This is smelly Gable over again. It's it's smelly Gabe. It's we we saw another example from before, which was fucking the Seal Man. Uh, oh yeah, and and there are others, and so this is just the very like classic villain archetype, I guess, for Rick at this point. It's not one that I care for especially, but I think Phineas ultimately is like a, a good villain for these for this reading. Actually, now that you mention that, it's kind of weird that Percy doesn't have a moment where he's like that. Phineas like reminds him of Gabe and that like makes him further resolve to again fucking murder him yeah that's true I mean I I wonder if he just doesn't even have that memory you know uh, yeah I, I mean I don't know he remembers Sea of Monsters he yeah but he doesn't remember like his mom also <laughs> okay fair point but I think it kind of ends up coming through and like his actions like Percy mm-hmm. Rick Riordan knows Percy as a character. Like yes. obviously he he writes he he created Percy. Um but the fact that I can still see the through line to like Percy's resentment towards Smelly Gabe coming up and like leading to how he acts here. Like he has a real just like outright resentment and anger here like he talks about like oh i wanted to just let hazel kill this guy with her sword like yeah. oh, i just wanted to i just wanted to slam a burrito into his face like he he's very pissed off this is this is such a strange thing because it's like in lost hero we talked a lot about like um when the kids like indirectly killed medea and they like they had a lot of feelings after that happened like especially leo who was like sitting on the dragon like well I indirectly killed her. Should I be happy about that? Because she had something to uh-huh. do with my mom's death, and she was kind of a horrible person. But I kind of feel awful that I'm glad she died. But like, all three of these kids say out loud to each other, "Yeah, we need to kill this fucker." Yeah, it's a really interesting like character departure. He's um, immortal. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is immortal. You're right. He's she's just some fucking guy. Like, if, if murdering him doesn't count, then murdering Hazel also wouldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I mean, actually, something kind of interesting here um, to me is the fact that in the previous uh-huh. chapter, and I think this might be an example of, like, a, a small example of Rick being too reliant on mythology, on, on Miriam mythology. Uh, Iris mm-hmm. specifically asks, like, when you find the harpies, please don't kill them. And what the expectation to me that that sets up is that they would have a reason, like the conflict going forward would be like, okay, we have to figure this out without killing the harpies or like we have to come to some sort of, or like we have to come to some sort of peace or agreement. But interestingly enough, this gets sort of flipped around because just like, there's no instance of this where we think the harpies are the villains. Yeah, no, the, 
the the harpies are being pretty obviously like victimized so to me this is maybe just the case of like oh this is what happened in the argonauts myth i have to make iris say this too I don't know, maybe, maybe Iris is worried that, like, Percy is doing a renegade run. Uh-huh. Where, like, technically the option is there to just kill the harpies and get the information, but, like, you wouldn't do it unless you're trying to go for the bad ending. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, a Percy Jackson choose your own adventure in that way would be kind of fun. It'd be kind of fun. The, the problem is that I don't think you could make Percy consciously do an evil thing. No, but, like, I don't know, make a, like, a fucking create a demigod character. You could do Jason. Jason's enough of a like personality void that you could probably get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I I just want there to be one ending that like involves just like slaughtering the entirety of Olympus. I I know that won't be the end of this series, but I can hope. One can hope. Uh, heroes of Olympus. Maybe the their heroism, their heroism is that they ultimately destroy that which they've come to protect. <laughs> I mean, because this is all, everything happening in this chapter is also Jupiter's fault. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because this this whole situation is due to a punishment he handed down to Phineas, which Phineas has then turned around on the harpies who had no choice, who were, like, mythologically bound to do what Jupiter told them. So these two groups are just, like, kicking each other back and forth forever because of something Jupiter did. Yeah, more evidence. I mean... We don't need evidence at this point. We know Jupiter is a shithead. Yeah. But I do like that it just, like, it keeps coming up because he is the ultimate shithead. He is consistently a shithead, and I appreciate that. You know who isn't a shithead? Who isn't a shithead? Fleecy. Yeah. No, there's nothing too big to it. Just, like, I like that she gives, like, Hazel, like, oh, here's my personal Iris messaging number. Yeah, and Percy accidentally uses it to fucking FaceTime Raina while she's in the bath. That's true. It's very, like, <laughs> in the Percy Jackson anime, this would be a scene. Oh, no. no. A terrible, terrible scene. This is this is a deeply cursed train of thought. Oh, God. He also has a, he's a, he's a, he has a magic dream. He has so many magic dreams. This is, like, eight magic dreams in a row. Is it? Oh, I guess kind of, yeah. I I was kind of thinking that thinking of them as one dream, but I they are sort of just all connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Any of them stand out to you? The Gaia one is increasingly like Gaia is just becoming like Shodan in my head. She's just a big face that will occasionally like call you up, uh, tell you that you are a bottom and you must listen to all of her plans. You insignificant worm. That seems to be just what she does in every book. <laughs> I don't even know that game, but that is exactly what I was thinking of, uh, I think. And, like, I I just consistently enjoy the description of her as, like, this whispering, like, this, like, half-asleep, like, condescension, I guess. God fucking damn it. What? Stop it. What? You slipped Claspect past me in, like, one of the early episodes. I'm not letting you do this again. I What the fuck are you talking about? You're... <laughs> Okay, so I got the brainworms. You referring to her as the condescension? No, I just said that she has condescension in her oh, voice. Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about fucking her imperious condescension. Uh, I'm hyper vigilant because you, you brought up Terezi. I I did bring up Terezi. You're right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I I do just consistently like Gaia in these dreams, yeah. and I think that even fucking 
what's his name from the last book, the big golden giant, just like sitting back with all his gold dripping off of him and just like being like, yeah, come here. I'll fucking kill you. Like, I think that's, that's great. Every book in this series must introduce like a prominent ASMR sleepy time character. We had Clovis in the last one and now we've got Gaia being more prominent in this one. You're right. You're right. Oh, and Zoe. Zoe gets brought up too. God, the fact that Percy can't fucking remember who she is. It's, this is just getting so much sadder every single chapter. <laughs> like, I don't know. We haven't, okay, Zoe hasn't been brought up since, like, at least book four, I think. Like, maybe book five. Yeah, Thalia might have mentioned her in passing in Last Olympian, but she definitely didn't come up in Lost Hero. And so, like, the fact that the first time we hear about her again is because Percy's memories of her are slipping away. (laughs) Yeah, it's sad. It is sad. I also, I I like the the wording of it being, like, he has this phantom pain that he's feeling, like, like he's losing, like, a limb insofar Mm -hmm. as, like, he's losing his memories. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Jason's experience with amnesia... And Percy's experience with amnesia are very different. Yeah, I, I guess it was because, I mean, from an out of universe perspective, it's probably because like Rick wanted to leave himself as much wiggle room as possible for like backfilling Jason's uh, shit. Aha. Uh-huh. But yeah, it is weird from an in-universe perspective that like there shouldn't be any difference between these people. Like their memory shouldn't know that Percy has five previous books full of adventures and hijinks to draw on. I guess it color it colors in a certain way, right? Like it makes it feel like Percy is just like more attached or like cares more or like or at least that like they impacted him more. Um whereas it kind of makes Jason feel like maybe these aren't things that hurt to lose in that same way. I guess that would also make sense cuz isn't wasn't Jason like only very recently uh at Camp Jupiter? Like, he was only there a few months previously and then went missing. Yeah, that, that that is true. And, like, part of his memories he was repressing where it was also being sold. Uh, yeah. So I guess not a lot of love lost there. <laughs> uh, Percy is simply a more experienced YA book protagonist. This is true. This These chapters make me really want food truck food. Uh, this food truck food all sounds gross. All of the it? problem. I uh, most of it. I mean, okay. Let's. I'm gonna let me get out some of this to look to take a th- to th- take a think about because no. there's there's what there's the like deep fried ice cream sandwiches that doesn't sound great to me. That's apparently that's a real thing. I know that is a, most of these are real things. Um, I mean sushi on a stick. That's I mean sushi I mean, is yeah, good. That's just, that's just sushi. Yeah, it's just on a stick. Uh, what's the, I I think one of them was like Korean Brazilian fusion tacos, which is just like like the fucking ruffle copter thing that just feels so of a time to me. Like the it, thing, it, the thing it immediately recalls is those fucking what were they? The things on iCarly, the spaghetti tacos. Oh, the, the fucking spaghetti tacos! Yeah, just they, seems like the I, same shit. <laughs> I mean, like, I could maybe see curry and Brazilian fusion tacos existing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that that seems like it could taste good. But I, 
Percy commenting that it sounds like something nuclear is very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Fusion. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Something about something about a bunch of food trucks in an area just makes me like, oh, I, I want to float toward them like I'm a fucking cartoon character going toward a pie. <laughs> okay, but like Thai stir fry with like macaroni cheese sauce on it sounds awful. That, yes, it sounds disgusting. That, everything would clash so badly. I mean, maybe if it's really good cheese sauce, then maybe it could work. I know, but... Like, it's not really good cheese sauce, though. It's probably not, no. Ah. Uh, these sad fucking harpies. They, I... Even if they get the food, they can, it's gonna be shit. <laughs> what, is, what is the deal with these harpies? Are they sentient... They seem sentient. Yeah, I think so. Because, like, let's look at what we know about harpies in this series so far. There were, like, the Camp Half-Blood harpies. Yeah, they've got the cleaning harpies. Who would kill you if you stayed too long. Yeah, they eat campers. Yeah, and, like, wash dinner plates with lava. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they seem... I know... What we know of them so far is that they're, like, resilient, scary, uh, and these these guys are just, like, sad and pathetic well i was what i was gonna say was well you know uh phineas says that they're basically not sentient they're like wind spirits entirely bound to jupiter's command on the other hand i realized as i was about to say that of course he'd fucking say that yeah of he, course he was he to I hand think one over so he can torture it yeah actually i do want to talk specifically about ella uh-huh. because there seems to be an implication here that maybe I'm not picking up on, or maybe it just hasn't been like fully, I don't know, explicated. But basically, like you, I think you explained in the summaries, she is this harpy who has like memorized an entire library of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to figure out: does Phineas want her because she's like a master of memorization, or is there something more? Because she also seems to know like prophecies and stuff. I think it is just that, like, because she retains all of that information, she's just, she is A, a repository of secrets that he can get out, and also just, like, you know, if you're a prophet, it's a good, it's good to have, like, a 100% fail-safe backup for all your visions. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, wait, wait, hmm, 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 hmm. Could the implication of her knowing that prophecy mean that she used to work at Camp Half-Blood? Ooh, that's a really cool idea. I like that. Thank you. Uh, I, I just came up with it myself. She was the one who was cleaning in the fucking attic where they kept the last um, oracle. That's why it got so dusty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we see more of her, that'd be interesting. Yeah. But, but ultimately, Phineas, Phineas proves to like largely be a huge asshole Except for this one thing he says, or he's like, you know, you're you're being a hypocrite. Rome was built on slavery. Isn't it? Isn't it interesting that the first character in these books who correctly points out that the ancient world ran on a massive slave economy is a gross old man who Percy murders? <laughs> it's a bit interesting. <laughs> I, cause yeah, I I also. I I mean the the note I wrote I don't I'm not usually one to just say like oh here's what I wrote in my notes, but the road mm-hmm. I note down was literally Rome was built on slavery. 
interesting. It it just that's that's how it feels, huh? Like why why is this the character you might say that, Rick? I yeah, I don't the the vibe I get from this is not even necessarily that like this was a deliberate thing to like just I just don't think that Rick puts enough respect on that like idea to give it to someone credible. No, no. I mean like it's one of those things where I don't know, maybe this is like wrong-headed of me, but it feels like anybody who has an under has any understanding of history at least can understand the idea that Rome was built on slavery. Mm-hmm. So are all the Greek city-states. Yes. So I don't want to think of it as like... I I guess not me saying I don't. I'm having a hard time picturing it as Rick Riordan being like, this is a silly idea. Or like him just like not having that in his head because it feels impossible not to, but I don't know. I guess on the other hand, he also seems to be subscribing to that bullshit myth about like a Roman settlement founded in like Western China. Yeah, I so mean, all the bets are off with whatever history he's subscribing to. This is true. I mean, I guess like you said, this is this is a myths book. Uh, the, 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 we can we can have myths here, but myths such as Rome had no slaves. <laughs> Not that kind of myth. <laughs> Percy does a big fucking move here. This is, I, I, I know that I am gonna sound like person who has only ever seen JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh huh. But this is the most JoJo's Bizarre Adventure confrontation I've ever seen in these books. Wait, no, you're right. Because there are two like powerful figures. They're fight. They're like doing this mental battle. Uh, mm-hmm. The women are completely sidelined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, part uh, six has women in it. <laughs> You know Some what? I'm sure that's. Stuff. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> anyway, go on. No, just the the way that it's the whole conflict is set up with like a very weirdly specific set of different rules and conditions that all have to be adhered to, while like each character involved plays like six different levels of five D chess to try and figure out like how they're going to come out on top in this situation. It's just, this is the vibes that it has to me. I agree. I can imagine, like, like Percy's doubled over coughing from drinking the, the Gorgon blood. And then, like, the color palette shifts. Exactly what Percy, I was about to like, say. Percy, stand, like, stands back up and is like, your next line will be blah, 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 blah. God, no, you're, that's exactly, th- I was, <laughs> I was like, yes, the color palette shifts here, exactly here. Uh, <laughs> The thing is, is like Percy has gambled his life before, like plenty, like, like not in such an explicit gambling, but mm-hmm. the what this really makes me think of is the Kane Chronicles. Oh yeah, this is the other big gambling set piece we've had, and I, uh, I mean, I I don't really know why we don't get more of it to be honest, because gambling with a god is like. That's got to be like that's like the classic conflict in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. You know what I think? I think they need to make a Percy Jackson movie or TV series or something entirely based around like this gambling thing. And I think that we should put together like an entire website dedicated (laughs) to lobbying for this. (laughs) You know what? I think you're right. (laughs) Holy shit! I completely forgot about that website. Have we checked that recently? 
I need to, I have like a half finished highlight video of us talking about that and I need to release it before the website inevitably gets taken down ahead of the Disney Plus series coming out. What was it called again? It was just like the, the I think it's still in the Sea of Monsters Twitter bio. Uh, it's just like percyjacksonmovie.com or something. percyjacksonthemovie.com Oh no, it's not, I can't get it. It got taken down? No. Oh my god, no. It's gone. Fuck. Wait, this is a fucking tragedy. We gotta carry the torch. We might be the last remaining records of this website ever existing. Uh, Well, now I need to publish that video. Thankfully, I already, like, took all the screen recordings I needed for it. Uh, Good. Good. Holy shit. Yeah, the Twitter account is still up. But yeah, the, the website's down. Oh god god this is so sad this is really sad i this is the most tragic death of the past month yeah it really is <laughs> we should we shouldn't disrespect people like that rest in peace sean luke godard i don't know who that is but rest in peace uh okay um <laughs> yeah this, this gamble is awesome him like making a deal with the devil and like betting on the fact that he's like too important to the villains is super cool um and just like but percy is like we we love him like you said earlier he's quick thinking he's clever mm-hmm. um but also i like i love that he is like quick to think on his feet but also he has to talk it over with his friends beforehand to make sure that he can think of the solution of make the guy write it down before he dies god yeah <laughs> yeah god, it would have been extremely funny if they'd forgotten to do that yeah. Like, oh. all standing around and high-fiving and then being like, wait, how do we ask him? <laughs> they have to fucking get Nico to summon his ghost. <laughs> oh, man. I I want to talk about Frank here. I know we were, we, were, we were ragging on Frank a little bit earlier, but I do want to uh. talk about him in these chapters. Yeah. Because he's having a... He's, I, we're, we're always saying it. Frank is going through it right now. Frank is always going through it. What, what specifically has jumped out at you about this? Well, well first of all, the, the hilarious scene where he sees an elephant sculpture and <laughs> he's he's like, one of them is like, oh, it's like Hannibal. And Frank is like, yeah, but it's Chinese. Uh, I know that because my, my grandma orders these Chinese sculptures from China. We're Chinese. Like, it's, in- it's an incredible. Exactly. Like, this is true to life. <laughs> in a lot of ways frank is very relatable um and also him just being in the mental state of like instantly ready to kill people and also self-destruct <laughs> because he's like he got he's gotten this fucking dragon tooth spear that can that he can use two more times and he's like oh god i have to i have to defend milady's honor using a <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh but I mean, hey, I, maybe those moves would work better on Hazel. She's from the forties. Oh God, <laughs> no! Don't don't give Frank the Pua notebook, please. It won't work no matter who it's with. The Pua notebook. The pickup artist, fucking. Oh. <laughs> oh Jesus! No, but the thing I want to talk about most here is, I I think the first thing we ever said about Frank is, oh, he seems to be interested in potions for some reason. He took the blood from them mm-hmm. and put them in vials. This 
this was his first like the first thing that indicated that he had any kind of like character or drive to him at all how do we feel about these like the fact that now these vials have been used yeah it it did kind of strike me as weird because this seemed like it was being because he's like holding on to the thing like oh could this be the thing that finally frees me from my weird on fire wood curse and it seemed like these were going to be like big long-term MacGuffins and instead they are like they're used relatively early it's very strange but I guess it's also it's good as like a bonding moment for Frank and Percy because Percy like knew that Frank had them and like kept quiet about it to help him so like the fact that they can like look at each other and be like oh my god we can use the Gorgon blood is like it's it's a fun bonding moment I think no I agree with you like Ultimately, it's kind of strange to me, especially with, like, the chapter where he talks to Vitellius. Like, mm-hmm. it really made it feel like this was going to be a big event. But yeah. after the conversation with Iris, um, it kind of feels like this is heading toward more the area of, like, Frank having to accept or, like, think of alternative methods like and just, like, learning to deal with his curse uh, rather than trying to get rid of it, which is interesting. I've actually, I've just, I've been thinking... Mm-hmm. I know we were speculating about whether, oh, you know, we've got like six of our seven heroes already. Uh, do you think it's going to be Nico or Annabeth that's the seventh one? I don't know if Frank or Hazel are going to make it out of this book. Oh. Like, both of them have big ticking time bombs on them. I, hmm. I could see Hazel being gone by the end of this book. Mm-hmm. It it would be really sad. Um, <laughs> but like that would be, that would be a, like a, like a writing maneuver that Rick Riordan doesn't really do. Hasn't done in these shifting perspective books. Like we haven't gotten a perspective character who has then like not continued to be a perspective character in that, like, like who hasn't continued on. Yeah. So I, this would be a nice, uh, that would be a good twist on things. It'd be very sad. I don't know. I I don't want to think about it too much. <laughs> Look, I'm just I'm just saying that like I could very easily see like near the end of this book, like while they're in Alaska or something, like Hazel has to like cause a cave in to like buy some time or something, and Frank like stays with her. Oh god, that's really sad. <laughs> no, but like it's dark and they're cold and like she's like and so he lights his firewood on fire. Oh shit. Oh my wait, no, I'm like tearing up. <laughs> this is really sad. The the thing the last thing that we would need to like just put the fucking cherry on top of this would be like the last set of chapters is like it's like eight eight Percy chapters because there's no one to switch perspectives to anymore. It's just four of his and then another four. Yeah. Bring bring the form in to really emphasize that the characters fucking died. Anyway, this probably um, won't happen. And yet I'm still writing the Seiyu <laughs> in my head. And like right <laughs> and right before Frank dies, uh Frank is like, also I'm trans. <laughs> <laughs> uh we've 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 ascended to fucking destial levels of <laughs> We Listen. send Frank to Turbo Hell. Oh god, it's really sad, but it has to happen. <laughs> Listen, this this is my this is my belief that no matter what happens, this is the superior ending. Um, You're right. You're right. I'm I'm probably I'm I'm very wrong. I'm sure there there's if I thought about it critically, I'm sure there's a lot wrong with that happening. But <laughs> but it's compelling. It's true. 
Hey, what's with River Sticks oaths? Ah, uh, I mean, the, the same as always, right? No, I mean, because they used to be very much more like a rhetorical thing, I felt like. Did they? Or like, I don't know, they weren't used as mechanically as this. Like, you, you swear on the River Sticks at like the end of a book to like underscore a, a commitment that you're making or something. Like the, the the end of Last Olympian is Percy making Zeus swear on the river sticks to stick by all the conditions he's been given. Uh, and now we have like every character making like four oaths on the river sticks to like make a game work. I I understand why you're saying this, mm-hmm. and it's to me I I think it's because we've actually had this conversation like I don't know what I think probably still while you're in Percy Jackson the Olympians, um, we've never seen a river sticks oath broken. That's true. But it's always been implied, and I think there have been instances similar to this, that, like, if you did it, there would be, like, supernatural consequences. And so, t- to me, it like, it's rhetorical, but also, it's just, like, all, like, there have been, a, a, I, even I can't name any offhand, I feel like there have been a couple of instances where, like, the, like, the solution to an encounter or, like, this sort of mechanical usage of it has been done before. I guess, I guess what I mean is more a case of, like, if it's being used to, like, underscore a big thematic moment, that's fine. But the moment you introduce stuff like this, it kind of brings up, like, irritating fan theory questions that you can't help but ask. Like, hey, if Camp Half-Blood wanted to find the spy in uh, Last Olympian, why didn't they just line up every single kid and make them swear an oath on the river sticks that they weren't the spy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something you even could say from the first. Like, you, I feel like you'd probably ask that as soon as you learn about River Six Oaths. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to make the comparison. It's like fucking Unbreakable Vows in Harry Potter. Uh, I mean, you're right. I would say that... I would say that Percy Jackson mythology has enough, like, wiggle room in it mm-hmm. that you could say, like, oh, if you did too many, the gods, like, the, the forces of nature would be mad at you. Like the river sticks would stop working or something. <laughs> <laughs> it turns into the puddle stick for a while. It just stops flowing. God, but I, that's really fun. Uh, but I do agree with like a point that you've made before that like we have to eventually see one of these things broken and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. We've been threatened with the ambrosia thing. We've been threatened with this. We need to see someone. Like, wouldn't it have been cool if um, Phineas had tried to go back on it in the last second? And he gets, like, a fucking river of blood opening up underneath him and, like, hands dragging him down into hell or something. He goes into the video game Hades, is what you're saying? Yes, it's just being <laughs> taken by the sticks in Hades. <laughs> no, like... Hmm, I mean, arguably... Because he tries to destroy the paper, right? He tries to... Oh, that, yeah, I guess so. He, he, like... It seems like something a bit worse happens to him after that, but I can't tell if that's just, like, what would have happened anyway or if that's maybe him breaking the oath. It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there is something kind of powerful to the idea that these things will never get broken. Like they're that, like they are that important to the point that ne- nobody will ever break an o- like one of these oaths if they. Yeah, swear Zeus it. doesn't fuck with this. So, ah, uh, I I'm okay with it. Also, it's 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 complicated. It's complicated. It's one of those things that will like again. It'll it makes people like us who are reading a bunch of these back-to-back ask slightly annoying questions to Rick Riordan at, like, Comic-Con or something. Exactly. But it's not the end of the world. No, no. Uh, also, I just want to, like, shout out um, my first impression of Phineas, 
which was uh like the first thing we hear about him is like the kids are walking through the streets of uh, portland is it portland yeah yeah and they hear like a guy yelling a weed whacker and like chicken squawking and i kind of knew this wasn't going to be what it was but i couldn't get the image out of my head of like a prophet using a weed whacker to like disembowel chickens to read their entrails I just had this, like, horribly bleak image of, like, this guy just running around his garden doing that while all the kids look on in horror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, that would be amazing. Um, speaking of things, uh, the, the, the happy ending to this chapter, like, yeah, they got that information, but the, the, the image that we actually go out on is all the harpies being able to eat again and so they fucking raid the food trucks and like the owners <laughs> screaming and running away yeah i mean i guess this is another like this is a classic percy jackson thing where he just fucking leaves a trail of chaos in his wake even when he's like technically doing good i really want there to be like you know, the, the thing like in the lightning thief where it's like all these terrorist attacks have been ha- happening <laughs> Like I want there to be like a like a, a wild group of teenagers have have let loose a gang of chickens. International terrorist Percy Jackson is on the loose once again. <laughs> oh God, I hope he goes international in fucking Kane Chronicle crossover. I think isn't that what we're kind of being teased for? Like the the later books in this series, they're going to go to Greece. I guess you're right. You know, we didn't mention it actually, um, but oh, yeah. we we see a glimpse of Leo, and it looks like they're already like basically almost finished with the ship. So we might mm-hmm. we might see them cross over as early as the end of this book, for all I know. That would be neat. It would be neat. Maybe it's like they they finish up their business in Alaska, and like, oh shit, we need to get back to Camp Jupiter in time to help stop the invasion with this eagle we got. But how are we going to get there? And then the boat turns up. I, I could definitely see that. I mean, Percy's mm. gonna need, need some new fucking friends after the after the ending of this. <laughs> God, that's grim. And then the whales pull them along too because they're so nice. Percy once again threatens to feed them like vegan substitute jerky. Uh, I I think that'll do it for us today. I think so. Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Uh, our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Network of Podcasts. There you can find a lot of great shows, and uh, they're mainly located at twitter.com slash moonshotpods. Now, if you want to reach us, you can go to twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There we've got links to our Discord, our email, our personal Twitters, etc. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to your podcasting app of choice, leave a five-star rating and review. You can tell your friends. And uh, also, you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls and leave a certain amount of money a month. For a dollar, you get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. Um, For three dollars a month, you get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, If you would like to hear our, like, immediate on-the-day reaction to the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II... If the thought of us, like, cackling about that for five minutes sounds appealing to you, then uh, sign up to our Patreon. Um, and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus is Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank Danny, 
Tanner, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. My name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice.